Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Success Story. I'm your host, Scott Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. They have incredible podcasts, but they also have incredible tools for entrepreneurs. One of my favorite tools that I've used, and yes, I've used HubSpot, even though they're a sponsor way before they even sponsored the show, is the HubSpot Sales Hub. Because if you are an entrepreneur, your sales software shouldn't be the bane of your existence. When you step inside to your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. Like you're sitting in the pilot seat with easy to use and powerful controls. And that is the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. They've redesigned their sales hub to help you win quarter after quarter, year after year. They have intuitive prospecting tools. They have AI power tools that reduce your workload. Managing all your leads doesn't feel like endless manual labor. It makes closing deals easy. So you want to get your day-to-day tasks under one platform that makes navigating contacts, calls, emails, social, marketing, sales, analytics, very easy. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com slash sales. So I ask everyone the same question. Uh, Pick a point in your life that was very impactful. So it could have been growing up. It could have been a business experience. could have been an experience with your parents, whatever. It could have been something different. But what's that one thing that you think to that sort of sets you on the path that you're on today? You know, it's hard to to answer that question without immediately going to December 7th of 2006 which is my sobriety date. And that's the date where one chapter, one version of Eric stopped, Mm -hmm. ceased to exist, and a new one started. Um, Although I had no idea that's what was happening at the time. And so what that day looked like was, it was messy. You know, I was at the, the tail end of desperation of about seven years of IV drug addiction, heroin, cocaine, amongst other things. I had been homeless. I had gotten out of jail recently. And the night before, in a moment of desperation, I robbed a guy uh, for 82 bucks with, with a kitchen knife. And, um, and I bought four $20 bags of heroin. And that night of the night before, December 6, 2006, I hid in a closet as the entire police department from Portland, Maine, searched the neighborhood for me uh, for that robbery. And I injected my last, God willing, my last four bags of heroin and woke up the next morning and the gig was up. 
and you know God uses what God uses. Uh, God uses what God has available. Sometimes it's got a sense of humor, and, and I firmly believe that He used that situation. He used the Portland, Maine Police Department uh, to separate me from drugs and alcohol, and that was more than 16 years ago. And so I've been consistently in recovery, uh, in a process of trying to be a better guy today than I was yesterday, and abstaining from drugs and alcohol since that day. So when I looked when I looked at your story, this is not something that was later on in life. Like you, this is something that hit you hard: drugs, addiction, like very, very early. Very on. early. Is this is twelve? Right? Is twelve? I was 10, 10? Uh, 10, 10 years old. Uh, I'll paint the picture for you. I am so a badass up. little fifth grader, <laughs> the disc man listening to gangster rap, packing a pellet gun, thinking I'm a OG, um, and getting, getting big bags of weed fronted from older kids in the neighborhood and selling yeah. weed at 10 years old. And, uh, that's when I caught my first pinch I talk about that a lot, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial bug of selling weed as a 10 year old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one hell of a fucking entrepreneur story. And, you know, at the time I was drinking, I was drinking yeah. beers, I was drinking mad dog, 2020 smoking joints Yeah. and, um, you know, life, I didn't realize it, but it was probably not headed in the best direction. And then I think I was 14 years old, uh, 14, almost 15 the first time I tried an Oxycontin, uh, and and then six months later, I was about 15 years old, almost 16, I became a full-blown heroin addict, dropped out of school, and my life consisted of doing drugs, selling drugs, committing crime, hanging out with criminals yeah. on the street. Like, I was... So if I was full time. So when you, I mean, like when you're robbing like a part time, you know, for me. it was, you know, I was all in. Because like, how do you, how do you function then? How do you make money to support living, which is crime and shit like crime, that? That's, sell drugs, robberies. Yeah. You know? Because if you're, if you're, if you're robbing somebody for 80 bucks, like, that's a fucking all time low. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was funny about the the robbing career was like the robbery started like really high ticket, yeah. yeah. And then they just started getting it's like the worst, it's like yeah, the yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I know. I mean, we used to rob drug dealers. I've never actually talked that about that. Sounds like too not much. a smart idea. It was a fucking great idea at the time. <laughs> um, they don't call the cops. Oh, that is a smart idea. Then you know what I mean. If yeah. you got a bunch of dope, bunch of coke, you know, weed, whatever it is, yeah. You know, they might try to figure it out on the street. That might not end up too well. Well, But what are they going to do? They're they're not going to call the cops on you. They're not going to call the cops and say, you know, this guy kicked my door in uh, with him and his friends and and guns and took my shit. Yeah. No police reports. And so, you know, it went from big scores, big deals, making a lot of money, you know, living the high life. And, And as it went on, it just got more and more desperate and pathetic. And the last, you know, I'd be lying to say that all of my time out there was miserable. I had a great time. Yeah. Um, it was like a movie. You know? No, well, it was I guess, crazy. So what but I it was never, at the end that it was just incredibly painful. So what I never understood is, so you, you're living this life and you have fun and you're partying and yeah, you're, you're, you're getting fucked up all the time. But at what point, and I guess it's not one point, it's like death by a thousand cuts. There's never one point where you start to digress to go down this shitty rabbit hole because if you th- think about it you're partying you're, you're like you're you're drinking you're doing whatever if you thought to your future self robbing a guy for 80 bucks you'd be like that's fucking bullshit that's that's yeah, that's that. that's like that's ridiculous this is not like a, a movie life that i want yeah so that's sort of like a, a that's sort of a, a really good commentary on addiction it's like how does it get to that point i don't think people understand it's just a slippery slope and I don't think if you haven't gone through it, you don't get it. For sure. Or seeing, you know, if you haven't gone through it yourself, a lot of people love people that have or, or know people that have been affected by addiction. Yeah. And the one common theme about it is it's often too late before you know it. You know, like I remember I remember the first time I was sick from withdrawals, from opiates, from heroin. And I didn't even know what it was. I thought yeah. I had the flu. And then one of my you know, friends came over who had been in the addiction game for, for longer than I had. And he was like, how much you been getting high? I was like, every day. He's like, for how long? I'm like, a long time. He said, when's the last time you got high? I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe yesterday, the day before, whatever it was. And he was like, 
brother, you're and, and in my head, the reason was I was like, I gotta lay off this shit. I've been doing yeah. a lot. Let but me, you know it. Let me cool it for yeah. a little bit. Having no idea that I was about to get physically ill from withdrawals from coming off of heroin. And uh, I, mean, I was 15 years old. You don't know too much about it then. And then it, that's when he told me, it's like, brother, you're dope sick. I was like, what's dope sick? And that, that was another pivotal moment where that was a defeating blow where it's like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm in a lot of trouble. Like, I don't know if I can stop this. And I got high shortly thereafter and felt great immediately. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck. Like, I'm in a bad spot. So when you, when you get arrested and, and if you didn't get arrested, like all the cliches are probably true. You're either dead or in jail or, yeah. or, you know, some, some That's version of all my of friends yeah. are. Everyone that was around at that time, you know, from 14 to almost 22 years old, every single person I ran around with is either a couple of them are sober and everyone else is dead or in prison. So you got arrested for, for one crime. So you didn't, I got arrested for a lot of crimes. What, no, but like at that one point in your life, that one point, the, when you were, you robbed the guy for 80 bucks. I didn't get arrested for that. Oh, you did? I woke up the next morning and went on the run. Oh shit. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hid in the closet, yeah. did my heroin. And the next morning I woke up, fled the state of Maine and spent the next year and a half, uh, in recovery, sober, get my life together. Also on the run and with uh, a lot of legal stuff. And then in about a year and a half uh, of sobriety, I went up and, and cleared up all my legal trouble. And and because you're, you're sober, you want to like change your life at this point. You're like, this is like rock bottom. So you didn't, it wasn't like the system that forced you to get sober. That point, you, you took it on yourself though. Yeah. Okay. Situationally, I, I what was funny about that day, December 7th of 2006, my sobriety date was... I think that for the first time, maybe ever or, or in a long time, I was able to see myself and my life and where it was going for what it actually was. So just got I was clarity. Like, I had a, I had I had a twenty twenty vision clarity that day, and I was like, I need to get sober right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year, right now, mm -hmm. or I'm fucking dead, or I'm going to prison. And so that's what I did. So. When you when you're sober for a year and a half, how do you how do you clean up all this legal trouble? How do you how do you because that's weighing on you too? And I know that I mean, sometimes I don't think the the legal system really helps people that are are in the spot that you were in. So you know if if you are if you are addicted and you're trying to make your life better, then what if they throw you in jail or whatnot? That's not gonna that's not gonna support anything good. It usually increases rates of recidivism. It increases addiction, increases like small crime, whatever. So how did you navigate that? Because that was something that obviously was weighing on you for a year and a half so that you could actually go and build a business, have a normal life, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. The system itself, people don't get well there. No, I know so they as don't. As a design of the system. What happened was, was I got involved in, in recovery, in 12-step recovery. And it was really my first introduction to anything that was personal development. Mm -hmm. And I started going through this 12-step recovery process. And part of that process in the step work is a thing that they call making amends. And you make a list of everyone you've ever hurt, ever. And there are a couple rules to it. You know, you don't make amends when it would hurt someone else or, you know, things like that. But uh, but despite personal consequences, you you go and make these things right. And so I started clicking away at that list. I stole from this person, I hurt this person, I assaulted that person, I broke this person's heart, I cheated on this one, I lied to that one. And I started going and having face-to-face -face direct conversations with all of these people. This looked like sitting down with ex-girlfriends and owning my side of the street and trying to make this right. This looked like my family. This looked like walking into Walmart and explaining to them that I used to steal and rob from them all the time. I mean, it is an extent that everyone I've ever heard, institutions, stores, everything, hospitals I walked into and, you know, uh, my school, my teachers, you know, I mean, it was a long list. And so in that, you know, one of the very glaring things that I need to clean up was all my court stuff was yeah. this armed robbery thing. And God, you know, I unapologetic, I'm not 
particularly a religious guy. I don't go to church, you know, et cetera, things like that. But but I firmly believe that God had everything to do with me changing my life and, and has had his hand on my journey the entire time. And and it's funny as hell, but I packed my at a year and a half sober. I was like, I gotta go. I gotta. This thing's weighing on me. Yeah, I know, dude. Yeah. I'm like getting pulled over, like in friends' cars, going to AA meetings. Yeah, getting out and running, like because I got to. I'm like, if I get pinched on this warrant, I'm yeah. fucked. And so I'm like jumping fences, getting chased by cops six months sober. Like I'm like, I gotta, I gotta. You can't live. Up. You can't live. Can't live like that. Yeah. Can't move on with my life. Yeah. And so I packed my life up and I, I prepare to go turn myself in on this and I go up to back up to Portland, Maine. And, um, and it's, it's kind of a long story, but I walk into this courthouse thinking I'm going to prison. Like I've readied myself spiritually that if, if this is what I'm supposed to do, if I'm supposed to go do time, then I have a message of recovery that's where God wants me. That's where my purpose for however long they send me there. Yeah. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm willing to accept these consequences. Let's go. I walk in. I walk into this courthouse. I expect them to like tackle me, you know, they, <laughs> and I walk up and I talk to the clerk, this little old lady. And I'm like, I have some warrants and stuff I need to clear up. She's like, oh, you got to go upstairs to this courtroom five or whatever it is and uh, and see the prosecutor. Go talk to him. I'm like, Okay. So I go up there, big wood doors, put my head down, I say a prayer, take a deep breath. I got all this paperwork with me of letters that people wrote me of good things that I've done and in recovery and mm -hmm. all the service work and people have helped and, you know, testimony of I'm a changed guy today. I got my papers, I open the door, I walk in, I start walking right down the middle. I see the, the prosecutor up at the little desk that he sits at. They're on break. And I'm going to talk to him, and this guy reaches out about halfway down the room, and he's sitting down, and he grabs me by the arm. And I look, and it's this dude, Johnny. Johnny I met at at AA. Get the fuck out. And I'm yeah. looking at him, and I'm like, and he's like, Eric? And I'm like, yeah. The only reason I ever fucking talked to Johnny at AA is because he would give me cigarettes. <laughs> I'm like, you got to, he'd be like, hey, let me talk to you about getting sober. I'd be like, you got a cigarette? <laughs> like, that's the only, like, you know. And he was like this older cat. I didn't know anything about him except he was like a nice dude that was always trying to help me and always gave me a cigarette. And um, and he like pushed down. He's like, sit down. And I'm like irritated. I'm like, I I'm trying to like get on with going to prison right now. Like, I don't really have time for this shit, Johnny. You know, you've been bothering me for a long time with your bullshit, you know? And um, he's like, what are you doing? And I tell him, I'm like, dude, I've been sober a year and a half. I got all the stuff going on. I got these letters. I got to go talk to that dude. I got to clean this up. Like, good to see you. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, fuck are you doing here? You know what I mean? Like, why are you in court? Yeah. And he's like, Eric, you might not know this, but I'm actually uh, a criminal defense attorney. 12-step rooms are anonymous. So you don't oh, really so you don't know what everyone does. No, you rarely know anyone's last name. Like you're there yeah. because we're all alcoholics and drug addicts. We don't really talk about that stuff too much unless you really get to know somebody. And he says, I've known that prosecutor a long time. Why don't you let me go talk to him? And it was right in that moment. I was like, God, you're a funny dude. God is a funny dude. Yeah. And long story short, he went and talked to the prosecutor for me. And uh, and I had other legal stuff. I had like gotten out of jail with pending cases that I bailed on court dates. And, you had a lot of shit. Yeah. And dude, he, they went out and talked. I ended, Long story short, I ended up walking out of there with like a $100 fine <laughs> and suspended time. And, and I left a free guy. And so I'm like driving back to New Hampshire, like calling people like, and they're like you're still out you know I'm like i'm coming home baby i'm coming home <laughs> you know but yeah. i left my poor dog with my yeah. dad i'm like dad you i don't know how no, long you I'm set yourself gone. up you're like i'm but going you, away i'm going i was set up to go away and um and uh yeah god god was good he's been good i love that yeah it was cool i love that um so after after this part of your life you're driving back obviously like new lease on life yeah. You feel like all this weight's been lifted. You built an amazing business. How did it start? It started by a passion for helping other people like me. I, I was I was for free and for fun volunteering, going into um, state-funded kind of run-down facilities that were helping addicts and alcoholics. And I would go in there and I would just help them with recovery 
because I like to do it and I was passionate about it and it helped me to help them. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Today's show is brought to you by 1Password. Now listen, we all have that one friend who's constantly forgetting passwords and needing help to get into their accounts. I have a solution. It's called 1Password. 1Password is the award-winning password manager trusted by millions of users and companies like IBM and Slack to keep logins, credit cards, and other private info safe in an encrypted vault that only you can access. No more sticky notes with passwords or using the same password everywhere. I've been using 1Password for a year now and I can't recommend it enough. It saves me time from having to reset passwords and gives me peace of mind knowing my info is secure. With convenient features like automatic password generation and login autofill, 1Password takes the hassle out of passwords. You can use it on all your devices, iOS, Android, Mac, PC. Everything syncs seamlessly. And with top-notch security audits and encryption, your data stays private. So do yourself a favor and check out 1Password today. Go to onepassword.com slash Clary and get a two-week free trial. Let 1Password remember all of your logins for you so you can remember what really matters. That's onepassword.com slash Clary for two weeks free. And while I was there, I was like, these people don't have anywhere to go. And and I was like, you know, I'd been all over the place, the halfway houses and yeah. sober houses, and the state of New Hampshire didn't have one. And, uh, and so that was the original thing was I, I bought – with a little help from my dad, um, my first property at 23 years old. And it was a three family uh, that I bought and opened up in October of 2008 and opened up the state of New Hampshire's first sober living house. And so for the next two years, I had 11 beds. I rented the beds by the week. Yeah. And I had, I lived with 11 guys, lived right in the building with them for the next two years and taught them how to be in recovery, taught them the 12 step process, taught them life skills and, you know, and, and helped them change their it, life. It sounds insane that there was nothing before you in New Hampshire. That doesn't make sense to me. A different time back then. You got to think like in 2008 addiction isn't a mainstream issue. It's still very taboo. You would never yeah. see it in the news. People would never talk about it. If someone you loved was addicted, it would be a family secret. A lot has changed. Fentanyl, 2012, 2013, yeah. the Affordable Care Act, overdose death skyrocketing. All of a sudden, this thing starts building and the 2016 campaign cycle, so really 14 and then heavily into 15, 2015, yeah. it becomes this major front row issue. Addiction 
in that in you know in that election cycle in a lot of areas of the country was the number one issue of voters and so that's when it became mainstream this is eight years before it, that. you're right it, you're everything you're saying is spot on it just still blows my mind that even in 2008 there was so little support it was yeah it was crazy it, it is so you it built was, this yeah. yeah and so I, I had one sober house and then i always had a waiting list of guys trying to get yeah. in that i couldn't help and so i started a second one and then once I started a second one, I was like, you know, I need some therapists. Like I'm doing everything that I can as a yeah. man in recovery with lived experience to help yeah. these people, but they should have some therapy and they should have some case management. All the shit that you needed. hundred yeah. percent. I got not, I got sober on the street. I got sober walking to 12 step meetings, um, which, you know, I'm grateful for. But, and so then I opened up an outpatient and then I opened up this and I opened up that and I just started to build the business. Uh, and by and by 2015, we were the largest provider of addiction treatment services in the Northeast. You didn't have business experience. You had a lot of life experience. Yeah. Not a, not a lot of business experience. How did you navigate that? How did you you know you were successful at it? Probably screwed up a lot of shit along the way trying to figure it out. I wasn't. I was not fearful of failure. I would just fail and keep going, learn yeah. a lesson and, and keep moving. Um, I learned how to learn. I think that was the most important thing that I did was, you know, I'm a 15-year-old dropout. I still do not have a GED. Mm -hmm. um, I've not been in any type of organized education since I was 15 years old. But I learned how to want access information, learn the information from books, podcasts, YouTube, um, mentors, teachers, coaches, Anywhere that you can find information, I learned how to access it and learn it and then take it from a place of, of holding the information to putting it into practical application. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to learn about how to interview people. Yeah. And so I learned that. And I wanted to learn how to manage people. And I wanted to learn like all these little. But you also did everything yourself. Day one. All of it. Include like I'm just like I notice threads in people that are successful and you know even day one you're living in the house that you're building. Yeah, totally. And I think people, I think people are a little bit lazy now, they and are. they don't like. It. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know I, I do a little bit of the the coaching stuff. Yeah. I coach entrepreneurs, and I see a lot of that. The the successful ones are the ones that are willing to do what other people aren't willing to do. Yeah. But there is a lot of laziness. There's a lot of entitlement. Yeah. And people don't understand, like they look at me and they, they see the headlines that, you know, I sold my business for a huge number. You know, I have all this nice stuff that I put on Instagram. What they don't see, what I wish I could post a fucking picture of is 13 years of 14, 16 hour days without a break. Yeah. Relentless, you know, yeah. and, and it's like you can't get to, I don't know another path to get to where I've gotten than the path that I took. And the path that I took took an immense amount of investment and sacrifice and hard work. That's a common thread. I don't think like anybody who's built anything is just a lot of shit for a long period of time and grinding it out. And all the cliches are true. Yeah. But you do anything for 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years nonstop and you end up being successful at it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no fucking luck there. There's no yeah, luck at there's all. No luck. What was, there's no luck. Yeah. There's no fast pass. No, I don't think like, so. There's no way to be a 10-year guy without being a 10-year guy. Yeah. I just want to take a quick second and tell you about one more podcast you have to check out if you're a fan of Success Story. It's Sales Evangelist, hosted by Donald Kelly, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Each week, Donald interviews the world's best sales experts, successful sellers, sales leaders, and entrepreneurs who share their strategies to succeed in sales right now. He brings on Jeffrey Gittimer, Jill Conrath, Bob Berg, Guy Kawasaki. They share actionable insights and stories that will encourage, challenge, and motivate you to hustle your way to more revenue for your business. If you're somebody who's looking to take off in your sales career, if you are an entrepreneur who's looking to sell more, I think all of us are, go listen to Sales Evangelist wherever you get your podcasts. You even, even you who hit an industry that you knew super well, and you hit it at the right time. Yeah. So all like even the even the stars aligning on the business that you're building, and even then it's still what it was 13, 14, whatever, fifteen plus years of the of of the fourteen to sixteen hour days. Yeah. That's that is. I mean, you know, you have you have people you you go and learn from mentors, coaches, podcasts, YouTube, whatever the fuck it is. But the point is, like, 
there's a very simple path to become successful. That's right. And I think it's funny how people get so confused about what it takes to actually get from point A to point B. And I don't find it, I don't find business to, business is a lot of work, but it's, it's not confusing. I don't find it confusing. I find that when you start here, you can look at the end result and reverse engineer all the steps that it took and you just got to be willing to put in the work to get there. That's right. I firmly believe that. But when you built this out, um, talk about, just talk about, I guess, a, a really big fuck up or something that you screwed up that was like a very stuck in your head, ingrained lesson that you wish you would, uh, would have done differently. God, this, I'm not having a hard time finding. No, there's a million. Of yeah, them. I'm like having a hard time picking one. And, um, and, and what I'm trying to do, like, 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 let's be real. Like, you, you have this awesome business, and you see the headlines. But I mean, this whole show is about unpacking all the bullshit that you dealt with on the way there. Yeah, because that's yeah. what people have to realize. One of the things that's true is that if you want to be good in business, you have to be good with people. Mm -hmm. You know, what is the composition of a business? people, employees, labor, yeah. right? And so one of the one of the biggest mistakes that I made was how I made and one of the biggest learning lessons and one of the things that I'm doing much better today and in more recent times than I did used than I used to is how to build teams, how to manage teams. You know, I was like hiring my friends, <laughs> hiring people. I'm like, I like this guy. Let's get him an opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And get lots of giving people opportunities which is great and that should be a part of the fabric of your business is, you know, professional growth and opportunity. But I was like putting people in roles that they weren't qualified for, yeah. setting that very well intentioned, but I would set myself, the business and them up for failure. Yeah. Because he was a good guy or she was a good girl. That happens uh, a lot. It happens yeah. a lot. And yeah. and um and you don't and so, and you don't have the you know it's not you don't have the balls to, but you don't want to fire the person either. Because you're the one who set them up. He, it, well, you put them in the position yeah, to fail. I know. And now you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, I got I to gotta take care of this. And so, you know, that was probably one of the larger pivotal learning moments was how to manage people professionally, how to recruit talent, interview, hire, onboard professionally, yeah. how to bring professionals into my business. And the light bulb of... If I'm constantly taking people and asking them to do a job that's bigger than what they've ever done before, giving them that opportunity, mm -hmm. and I have a full team of all of those, like that probably isn't going to go well or the quality of what we're doing is not going to be the best. Yeah. And so switching that to trying to interview and, and recruit the people that already have the experience in these roles, you know, at a high level that are bringing a lot to the table, hiring people that have already done these things yeah. to help us get to the next level. That big switch was an enormous unlock for the business. Um, so a lot of hiring people that, I mean, you know, you hire people that are smarter than you Yeah, all the time, all the time, all the time. So you scale this up. You, you, you sell, walk me through the exit. Like what, what happened when you, you know, you're because an entrepreneur first, this is the first business you've ever sold at this point. Right. Yeah. So it's a big moment. You're thinking about exit, exiting it. Why did you want to exit it then? Was it opportunity? Was it right buyer? Was it you're done with this shit? I want to do something else. What was it? A little bit of all the above. Yeah. I, I led six processes. The first two blew up in my face. Learned a lot. By looking for buyers, you're saying? I had two private equity buyers yeah. in 2019. Neither one of those deals closed. I accrued millions of dollars in fees, and and they did not happen. Yeah. Um, I then closed three minority deals, which were very successful. And so I went to the same family office, private equity family mm -hmm. office type buyer. And so they, they took three bites of the business at a growing valuation as it was getting bigger. And then in 2021, I sold 100% of the business to a private equity backed strategic. The, 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 the process of that, you know, when you look at the first phase of the business, I did everything, all of it. I was like the only guy, yeah. right? Yeah. The first and only employee. And then the second phase of the business is where a lot of entrepreneurs are and a lot gets stuck which is I'm the CEO, I'm the founder, I have a team, I have people, 
I'm running the business. But if I got hit by a bus today, this business would be dead yeah. tomorrow, right? Like it, it has no legacy to it. I can't step away. I own a job and everything in this business is tied to me. That's most entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs yeah. are there. They're, those are most of the people that end up in my coaching ecosystem are these people. And I love it because it's working them to that next phase. It was through mentorship and coaching and and having amazing teachers in my life that taught me that the that was in direct competition with the which was the next phase, which was building systems, processes, leadership team, um, SOPs, all of these things put in place to make it so this business no longer needs me, mm-hmm. and and that's what we established myself and my partner after I closed those minority deals was I built a leadership team. I built systems processes. I professionalized the business from stem to stern. And for the last almost full year that I owned it prior to the full sale, that business didn't need me at all. I never went there. I didn't walk through the front door of that building for at least 10 months before I sold it. And that's a good sign that you don't have that key man problem anymore. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, yeah, and it affects valuation, and yeah. it affects your ability to to have a complete exit. You know, if they had key man risk with me, yeah. they're like, ah, you're not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. yeah, you're coming with us. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And so it's really moving that business through these three phases to an eventual exit. Um, and market conditions. Did you? Did you? But it sounds like you actually did this late. It sounds like you did late in the game, because. I'll ask. I'll ask what your advice is for entrepreneurs. When do you start building out these SOPs, these systems, these processes? Because you started focusing on that after you actually took on partners, but before that it, point, it was right? before and after. It, well, okay, they so, entered during this process. So when do you see people get stuck up? Is what I'm. I'm trying to figure. 2017. Out. Yeah, I have an exploding business. I'm hiring. I'm growing in top line revenue. Yeah. I'm growing in bottom line revenue. I'm growing in headcount. I'm. I'm Moving, you know, the platform's growing bigger and it is just chaos because I have, I had at one point, I think it was 17 direct reports. <laughs> like if you looked at an org chart, it was me and everyone else <laughs> and then everybody like, and they all came to me and I was like, because again, I don't have an MBA. I don't yeah. have like, I just was building and I was like, all right, we need this. I'll hire them and I'll manage them. And, yeah. You know, it just just kind of happened and, and so, so your life was chaos <laughs> total chaos i was like i was like i couldn't not be on my phone and be there yeah from early to late every single day like if i didn't show up for a day god help everybody yeah like it was going to be a problem and um and at that point that for me was when i was forced into developing this business to a more professionalized organization, developing an org chart. Is that what most people should do? Probably not. Like you should probably, as soon as you kind of awake to the information that start to implement that as early on as you can and it'll reduce chaos. And I I believe it'll increase speed of growth as well Mm -hmm. and de-risk the organization. But you see that like now when you coach entrepreneurs, you see that as as one of the major issues they have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of them. That's just tends to be the people that end up it's really interesting digesting yeah. my content and coming into my, you know, coming into my world and making contact somehow is most of them have businesses that need to be professionalized. They've hit a bottleneck. They've hit a plateau. They don't know what's next. They have an amazing business. They're living a great lifestyle. Yeah. They own a home. They have, you know, nice cars for them and their family. They go on vacations. They have financial freedom, but a lot of them just don't have freedom of their time and freedom from their business, and they've become a slave to this job that they own. And it's not like I don't know what the revenue numbers are for some of these guys. I know some of the guys, but not all of them. But I mean, it's not small businesses. It's not like they're just pulling two hundred a year, three hundred to five hundred a year. I'm some, talking top like multi million dollars. A lot of these businesses are anywhere between. Like five million top line would be the smaller, I, I which is actually wild for a key man problem at five million bucks. That's a, that's a lot of money for one person still running the show. Top line, yeah. yeah. It, but a lot of them are 20, 30, 40 million. Which is even, all of it's fucking wild. All yeah. of it's nuts. Like none of that shit. No exist. doubt. It's, it's, I'd be stressed as hell if I was responsible fully and didn't have good support on a 30, 40, 50 million dollar business. And some of them do and they have a lot of support, but it's still, it's like, it's like you're in the middle yeah. and you're getting support, but it's still all leaning on you. Yeah. 
And here's the problem. If, if, is it really all that supportive or is it, if you pull you out of it and it will collapse? So you think you have a system, but you don't. How do you build it upright so you can step away from it and it runs without you? Um, When you exited your business, I noticed how fast you were able to build an infrastructure to support coaching, mentoring, which I thought was interesting because I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. A lot of guys do this, but a lot of guys have been doing it for like 10, 15 plus years. And I think I even saw one of your uh, one of your Instagram videos about how when you started, it was like a couple months ago. It was not yeah, long ago. Months ago, I had the idea. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, and I know you have like a really good circle of other people like in your network. And that's probably a good lesson as well that have yeah. done this before and whatnot. Probably learned some lessons from those guys as well. But you spun this up so quick so what, <laughs> what i want to fucking understand no but like like yeah. in, in a good way not in like a not in like a it, not in like it hasn't worked out it's like it's worked out wonderful. it's worked out exceptionally yeah. well because i i follow this now and i follow what you're building and i yeah. saw the the you know we'll try and keep this evergreen as we can but like i saw what you just did last week in miami yeah. and like the the caliber of people because i know some of the guys that pay to go to these things and they're not they're not stupid people that's that, right. that are not that are coming out to this. So I mean, it's just impressive how quick you build this out. So I'm trying to understand how you built this business so quickly versus a lot of people that struggle starting something from scratch. Three months and what you've achieved in three months is not normal. So there's a lot of lessons and experience there that allowed you to do this. But what do you think that was? Execution, 
a lot of people spend a lot of time frozen yeah and spend a lot of time thinking about it i get in there and i just start throwing punches like i'm gonna learn kung fu in the middle of this fight like i'm yeah. gonna learn you know what i mean and so i got the idea this is what happened i was talking to my my good friend wes watson and uh and he was driving me crazy for like two months he was like bro you got to do coaching you got to teach business you got to teach entrepreneurship this is your so a genius so many people would benefit from this i'm like wes shut the fuck up like, I'm not, like what am i an online coach like what are you talking about you know and then i got like i would be laying there thinking about it i'd be like you know what maybe he's right maybe it would be cool to build a community and then i start to get this vision of like my entire journey from day one by myself to nine figure exit. And I'm like, what if I built something that was tailored to everything that would have been beneficial to me along this journey? Yeah. And then I got excited about it. And then I remember I called him back. I was like, all right, well, teach me how to do this. Yeah. And he, he told me what he does. And then I spun it to, to what I thought it would be. And then I just got on my Instagram story and I was like, hey, I'm going to take on a couple people to coach them uh, for a business and entrepreneurship. And if you're interested and you followed me, just shoot me a DM. Yeah. And I had a guy that was helping me with sales in the next two days. We did like a hundred grand. You know, you and know, I, it, that was the proof of concept. Yeah. It was that it was right then where I was like. Okay, this could work. Like, were you this, building this out market. your brand before that? You were building it out for yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, there was nothing tied. No, no yeah. I wasn't trying to monetize it yeah. at all. I was just building a personal brand and, you know, attention is a commodity. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Same reason I got this podcast Yeah, going. same thing. Same you know, shit, this yeah. is why we do it. But, yeah. And then as soon as that happened, I was like, all right, all in. And then we just set things up and, and just went, went for it. I think it's because... You know, when you say like you had a nine figure exit, there's a lot of people that do this that don't build businesses to that size. Yeah. So there is a there's a there's a ceiling on the advice you can get from somebody that's only achieved certain things. Yeah. Right. You've, they've only dealt with so many problems. They haven't dealt with a nine figure exit to a private equity or a family. Like those are the things that not a lot of people deal with because it's it's a rarity. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to do, but not many people get to that level. So. I think that's, you know, what I'm alluding to is more people that have done it before. Those are the people that should be teaching. There's that, a lot of bullshit was, too. And in those moments of consideration yeah. in the beginning of like, should I do this? Should I not do this? I, of course, went on. And I was like, well, who else is doing it? There's a lot. In, but, like, but a lot of it's bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit. Like, I look at their stuff and I'm like, what, what have you actually done? Yeah. And a lot of these coaches are just that. They're coaches. Like professional coaches. Professional coaches. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the business teacher at the college who's never actually operated a business and makes 60 grand a year. Yeah. What the fuck am I going to learn from you? Yeah. You know, like you read it out of the book, you heard it on a podcast, yeah. or you, you're regurgitating a lot of information. It's you never not, lived it. It's like the never, lived experience. You don't have the resume, homeboy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have the lived experience to qualify you to to be this and so for that reason i was like you know it'd be a little fun to come in and yeah disrupt the space a little bit if you watch my content sometimes i get a little froggy on there start <laughs> calling people not specifically but i'm like come on man you know yeah, what i mean like I yeah just i know too many fakes there are a lot of fakes out there so yeah. and and i think that that's like when you okay let, let's just talk to people that are listening to this that are trying to find people to learn from so you have a good group. How do you, how do you, as a professional who's operated at really high levels, um, how do you sort of gauge whether or not you want to learn from somebody, take them on as, as a mentor? Like, how do you, what's your litmus test for your education inflow? In my coaching program? No, in, 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 in your life, in your life. Like when you're looking to learn from somebody. Oh, when I'm looking yeah, to yeah, learn yeah. from so someone, like, I go for results. Yeah. I learn from people in specific niches on, do you have what I want? That's my question. Have you achieved the result that I'm looking to achieve? And do you have what I want? Like, I'm a fitness guy, so I want yeah. to learn about fitness and I want to work out. And like, Wes Watson is jacked. He's fucking ripped. Super jacked. Yeah. He's an animal. Yeah. And I'm like, that's my guy. You know what I mean? So when I look at business, yeah. my business mentors today are billion-dollar dudes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have a small handful of them. That I sit with and spend, they're not on Instagram and they're older cats and nobody really knows. Those are, those are the best kinds. The best kinds, you know? And, and they're so out of touch. They don't know that they can charge me huge money for the conversation. <laughs> exactly. <we have. laughs> I get it for free, you know? But um, 
those they they've achieved the results yeah. and that's what i think the guys i don't care if you sign up for my shit or not um but just please whatever it is that you're looking to get coached or mentored on make sure that the person that you're listening to or that you sign up with yeah. actually has had that experience and had the results like you wouldn't go get a fucking fat personal trainer no you're not gonna do that <laughs> you'd be like you're a fat piece of shit well like why am i gonna listen to you it's the same thing in business, you exactly. know, it's the same or any area of life, right? It's too much. See, I think that social social is great for a lot of things, but it allows a lot of people who are full of shit, but just good marketers to sell shit to people that don't know any better. No doubt. Which is, I mean, that's horrible, but that's, that's the reality. So I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, part of this is hopefully uh, I've interviewed a lot of people, but hopefully a lot of the people on here are, are genuine, <laughs> but <laughs> I tried my best. But the point is you yeah. find good people that have actually done it before. And then you like pull out the ideas from them. Yeah. And that's, that's really, I mean, that's how you learn and it doesn't yeah. have to be, it could be a mastermind, whatever it could be a podcast, but totally, I think it is. I, I love that. It's like you find somebody that's literally done the exact thing or as, as close as possible to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, when you work with all these entrepreneurs, you said one of the main issues they have is basically uh, removing themselves as the linchpin and the key, the key man in the business. Yeah. What are some other major things that, that some of these people are running into some big problems? The ones that you see repeat again and again and again, and it doesn't have to be business. Let's think about other things. It could be raising money. It could be uh, having a good relationship because they're putting too much effort or energy in. Like, I'm sure that shit happens a lot, too. Yeah, we're all crazy. Yeah, people. I know that. And back to the coach thing. Like, <laughs> you don't want relationship advice from me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll teach you how to blow your business up. But, yeah. like, I haven't been married in a successful marriage for 10 years or something. Like, that's, that's the guy you want. And so, um, you know, the mistakes that we all make – outside of key man God's got I don't know you know ignoring the personal development side of this I think a lot of people are chasing yeah it? yeah let's unpack it I think a lot of people are chasing success and wealth for the wrong reasons and they think that the right amount of money the right amount of material possessions the right amount of status attention or whatever the achievement is is going to fix a problem that they have that in all reality it won't. You know, I think that a lot of people chase wealth and success to to fill a, a, a hole in their spirit, whatever that means for them. And the mistake that I see happen over and over again is sometimes people catch it in their lifetime and they get the money or they get the whatever it is that they thought would fix it and they're like, fuck this isn't as cool as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. This isn't everything I made it out to be. And so a lot of people ignore the, the, the fundamental truth that our internal condition, our happiness, our satisfaction, our serenity, our peace, our wholeness is not tied like the money can make you happy. You know, I'd rather be fucking rich than poor. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. Like yeah. I've been poor as shit, yeah. homeless, with about money for food, and I've been fucking rich on my private jet flying to my yacht in the Bahamas. I'd much rather fucking the yacht in the Bahamas. <laughs> but if it, it you can't buy your way out yeah. of your responsibility to do the internal work. And a lot of people get lost in this game and get lost in this process and ignore and evade their responsibility to do the internal work that's necessary for all of us. No one can escape that. What does internal work look like? Is that, in your opinion, is it religion? Is it just, is it, is it self-awareness, reflection, meditation? What is that personal I think work? it's a recipe of a lot of those things. Yeah. For me, the foundation of it is spirituality. Um, and then the things that that have built around it are discipline, um, a, a, a non-negotiable code of conduct, a conviction to a moral code. Mm -hmm. These are the things that, that work for me, the things that make me okay. And, and I keep a steady hand in any and all situations, good and bad is a, a deep foundation in a relationship with a power greater than myself, God, um, prayer, meditation, reflection, uh, and then, and then this, this rule book of how I live my life, that yeah. I don't deviate for anything. It's non-negotiable. And then discipline around that. 
I think that what what any person's version of God does, like to your point, it it, it removes it removes the selfishness. Yeah. And I think that too much selfishness and lack of, like you said, like any sort of observance of somebody out or a, an entity outside of who you are, I think that's a, a not the most positive way to live your life. It's selfishness is a great word, and and it, it's actually the core symptom of addiction. Believe it or not, um, is selfishness and self centeredness. Like when mm. you come in as an addict or an alcoholic in recovery. The number one thing this recovery process is supposed to do at first is tackle your selfishness and try to turn that around. That's why you see so many alcoholics or even the basis of Alcoholics Anonymous is we must give it away to keep it. I must help other alcoholics to maintain my own sobriety. And so that, that I think, is a great example that on a broader spectrum affects so many people. And when you're in this game, if it's always about you, me, me, me. It, it it really has to be about them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's why that's why I like to help people. That's why yeah. I like to, you know what I mean? And all these different avenues of like making it about service work and making it about the impact that we're leaving and making it about other people. Yeah, it gets I, us out of our, our our selfish nature. I also think that if you if you look at the average personality of an entrepreneur just because they can be so hyper focused if you if you are selfish the addictions don't end at drugs or alcohol like you can be addicted to business cheating 100%. lying everything all of it all of it and i think totally that agree. the person that can build a business is usually one step away from having a really hedonistic selfish vice because most it, do most do because it takes uh, a not normal person <laughs> to put that much energy for <laughs> one thing. <laughs> do you know what? And I don't talk about this as much as maybe I should. Um, and maybe, I think there's a dark side to entrepreneurship. Do you know how many people like, I'd say it's 50, 50 in my inner circle program. Half of them come to me and have these like scale problems, bottleneck plateau, yeah. you know, tactical business stuff. And that's like the main focus. Some of them have that, but Dude, we've had a solid handful of people get sober here. Yeah. Like they came in. I got one guy who just celebrated 60 days of sobriety. I have and came in and was here for like three weeks and called me up and was like, dude, I got to talk to you. I was like, what's up? And he's like, I fucking drink and do coke on the weekends. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. You know what I mean? Let's talk about proud as shit of them. And then, you know, we have another woman who, uh, sent me a screenshot of her sobriety tracker app yesterday who's fucking 19 days sober from alcohol. You know, I've been struggling with alcoholism for a long time and came into Inner Circle and, and spilled guts and was yeah. like, you know, I get drunk every night, I get drunk every weekend. It's holding me back in business. It's yeah. holding me back in my life. Got her hooked up with some resources and got her into sobriety. So it's like, yeah, man. Because, because, dude, you're going like a thousand miles an hour every oh. day. Every day, like it's hard to shut off. It's hard to shut off. So you have the you have alcohol to shut off, or you have anything to shut off. Anything that like forces you to to remove the 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 focus from the business because yeah. you know you got to do it. But for a lot of people, if you're sober, it's very it's it's almost impossible to do 100%. it. So then you fall into all these different things. That's actually really interesting. I've never thought about that, but yeah. that's a really really. Um, so I, I end up start a business coach and end up a life coach. Pretty yeah, quickly right. Well, listen, people, dude, you know? it's the same. It's the, it's the same. It's the, it's, it's yes. They're they're married together, and a yeah. lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we wrap this up, just wanted to to give you the floor. Is there any anything else that I didn't ask you about entrepreneurship, business, even addiction that you think would be a really good lesson for the audience? You know, the my ethos is this, is that as long as you're breathing, there's still hope and, and it's any man's game. You know, like it, you can never count anyone out. You can never count yourself out. You can never fucking give up and we're never going to tap. Mm -hmm. If you had looked at me 16 years ago, 135 pounds, covered in track marks, warrants, I didn't have a single person that would answer my phone call. No way you're thinking... 
hey, this kid's going to go out there and, and change the lives of tens of thousands of people, build a big business, like all the yeah. stuff that I've been able to accomplish. And so it's, you know, if you're listening to this thing and your life is going wonderful and you have no pain in your life and you're not up against it in any way and like, congratulations, it's unbelievable. And I, I couldn't be more happy for you. But if this message reaches you and you're up against it and the days are dark and it just feels like you're never going to get out of it, just don't fucking give up. Just keep going. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Where should people uh, reach out to you? Social, website? Instagram is easiest, at Eric Spofford. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, and then the last question I ask everyone, uh, you've had an incredible career, I've gone through many different seasons in, in your life. Mm. Um, at this point in your life, what does success mean? Impact. It's really, you know, this make the money, get rich, get wealthy. But I, I in as less of a morbid way as possible think about my own death and think about what I will leave here when I'm gone frequently daily and for now my definition of success is that I will leave my family set up and 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 have created generational wealth and that's mm -hmm. cool um, but they're really going to remember me by the impact I made in other people's lives and so how can you take whatever it is you're good at whatever gift God gave you and use it to help other people When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.